Welcome to SelfDiscoveryWisdom.com, formerly known as SelfDiscovery Media. On these podcasts, you're going to hear people who speak from the heart. They've taken the journey in life. Many things have happened to them, but they've changed it to happening for them. And in their strength, their courage, they've discovered their abilities and their wisdom, and they are now sharing it here with you. Do enjoy each show. We bring it to you with love and knowing that it's going to help you on your journey of life. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Mental Health Awareness, right here on selfdiscoverywisdom.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy. My guest today is Jamie Pinat- Pinada. Am I correct it correctly? We're going to be Pinata, talking about yeah. Pilata. There we go. We're going to be talking about his new book, which is Controlling Mental Chaos, Harnessing the Power of the Creative Mind. Now, you know, we live in chaos. It's a human nature for us to do so. And chaos is always around us. But he wants us to learn how to simply use time-tested techniques to control anxiety and recover the creative nature. And we're going to be talking about the segment ideal transformation of an uncontrolled mind into a creative mind in four simple steps. This uh, is about the big idea, why it matters, the key matters, and the source. So we're going to talk all about that today. But, you know, when we're looking at the creative mind and the uh, chaotic mind, very often they kind of ride the same wave. From chaos comes creativity. But how can we also make sure that that's the path that it's taking and it's not leading us from one chaotic thing to another? Uh, And where we get anxious about it, because from chaos becomes the anxiety. How do we calm things down so we can get into the creative nature? So welcome to the show, Jamie. Gosh, is this a timely show? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Happy to be here. You know, um, some people look at chaos and they just want to eliminate it altogether. Mm -hmm. There are some benefits to chaos, um, but it's, it's making sure that chaos doesn't become, make you anxious. Uh, or that it doesn't it leads you around the road of panic rather than creativity. What do you think on that? Yeah, so you know the uh, my my basic assumption is that uh, we're we're born uh, as creative creatures, basically, mm-hmm. right? Our our natural core is is one that is energetic. You know, you look at an infant, right, and and they're yes. they're very open and creative. You know, they they respond to life in a very open way. Um, and and that that energy that force eventually gets covered up by by something we'll talk about you know which we call the ego or whatever mm. which then distorts this this sort of creative energy but that creative energy is is uh, we never lose it mm. it's always there and it's possible to recover it and so this is my argument that in fact if if you're able to set aside certain things that are covering it up you unmask what is in your nature. Which, which is this sort of energetic, creative uh, openness. Um, it's funny because we actually just did a show on creativity as well and how to bring oh. out the joy of creativity. And I think yeah. a lot of the time we we let our creativity, uh, creativity be controlled by exterior pressures, exterior dictation. And we don't understand that that creativity is coming from within you, is the gift of who you are and what you're sharing for the benefit of others. And if we allow it to be controlled rather than allowing it to be the essence of who we are, it is something very stressful because we're never going to meet the goals of those expectations. 
but we can meet the truth of our creativity if we do it organically and honestly. Absolutely. And, you know, the, uh, the, what's unique, I think is, is, uh, in, in, in the way I, I'm seeing it is that what happens, um, I said, as an, an infant, basically this open, uh, creative, uh, nature, but something interferes mm. with the interpretation of the signals that it, it's getting, which we then call the ego. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, interpretation of the signals is is what i think is what what the sorts of impulse right so if you're able to understand that and say okay how can i undistort that that creativity is there it's it's a natural innate thing that we have you know it's just part of us to be that creative so but we all have a signature in our creativity don't we and it's understanding what that signature is because we can have 10 different creatives in a room each one of them you know has their yeah. own talent their own skill and i think you know we're, we're trying to kind of one size fits all instead of looking at the individual of what their creative gift is um i have two grandchildren two and a half and six months and look watching my two and a half month old going to his imagination and you know we don't always kind of get what he's doing. He loves cars. He loves traffic jams <laughs> for some reason, and you know he loves parking them and driving them, and he'll drive them all over you if you're in the way of his road, you know. And he's in his world. But then it's also wonderful to see him, you know, where his world is taking him and what he's seeing and the wonderment and the self-discovery of who he is. Why do we lose that? My theory yeah. is that's when we get to society's dictation of religion family's dictation of what you know what you can and cannot do schools um dictation of sit listen obey um Mm -hmm. you know i think what we do is we knock out that creativity inside of us and actually ignite anxiety to try to meet someone else's expectation yeah yeah so so to me the ego is is really um the response that we have to protect ourselves when when we're very vulnerable right As, as children as infants uh, we have this, like I said, this openness, but it's very vulnerable to the insults that are coming in mm. from the world. And so we begin to develop these strategies, these thoughts, these ways of reacting uh, to prevent those hurts. Yes. And and that solidifies into what we then think of as, as our ego, as our personality. But it's really a set of constructs, ideas, and, and all that. And, and like I said, the, the signals that are coming in from the outside get distorted by, by that filter. Yeah. And the signals that are coming from our interior as well mm-hmm. get distorted by that filter. And, and this is where we then begin to um, try to understand these distorted signals and we get anxious and fearful, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, when in fact, you know, if we could set aside th- th- these filters, these signals are actually trying to tell us something and we could learn from them, right? They're, they're, they're basic, uh, powerful things that, that we need to learn to listen to and, and respond to, right? But we that need to compass. get put that, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, why do we, I mean, is it just human nature that we allow ourselves uh, to bend to the will of others, um, to society itself? Uh, are we, you know, as children, we have the spirit, yes, it kind of gets knocked out of us, but at the same time, why is our spirit not speaking louder, that intuitiveness <laughs> that lies within? Why does that not speak louder than the exterior 
Is the exterior just so part of our patterning that we don't recognize we're repeating? Um, you know, because it just seems to be, we know this is the solution to ignite the interior and follow yeah. your gut instincts, your spirit, your soul, heart, whatever. Um, and we know that we're better off when we do that. But why do we take so long to get there? What is it? What is the hold of that <laughs> ego on the outside that stops us from embracing it? <laughs> That's a wonderful question. And, you know, I wish I knew the answer to it. But, <laughs> but, but I think that, you know, the fact that as we get older, we begin to sense that there's something wrong, that there's something, uh, an alternative to the way we think, to the way we respond to, you know, the anger that we exhibit. You know, we begin to sense that. I think that is the spirit coming trying to come through mm. um but but you're right i mean why did it take so long well because the conditioning i think is so strong you know that we undergo as as children uh when we don't really know we're conditioned to respond a certain yeah. way and and that is quite strong it's hard to get rid of but but as adults we begin to realize that that's there's something wrong and i think that that's the spirit trying to talk to us right and we need to listen to it yeah Earlier, folks, earlier, yeah. <laughs> please, <Yeah. laughs> you know, while you're raising your children or, you know, when you know that, that I call it the nudge, nudge, wink, wink, you know, of the universe trying to tell us, you know, to go in a different direction. And sometimes we have to get the cosmic two by four, you know, before we kind of yeah. register that hell, you know, it's not working the way I'm going. I've got to listen in. But we have so much influence from the outside of you should, you've got to be. You're only important if um, mm -hmm. there is something innately in us that's always looking for that validation of who we are, approval, right? Yes, yes. I mean, it is unfortunate. I think we've structured our society in in a way that that it, that it is uh, unhelpful. <laughs> you know that that it's uh, prevent from really freeing ourselves from that conditioning, and it it doesn't make it easy. Yeah, and, and and so um yeah, all these signals that we're getting about you need to be important, you need to, you know, make a lot of money in order to be happy. That you know, all those are, are these signals that uh, the conditioning that occurs. Uh but uh but I think it's important to and, and this is why I think we'll probably get to it. It's important to listen to that inner nature and and the way I suggest that the best way to do that is to just simply be present in the moment yes right? yes and uh and and uh because part of what happens when you're present in the moment you bypass the conditioning you bypass memories mm -hmm. and you're just here and you're not listening to all that chatter that's yeah. going on and that's just a helpful exercise to get you to then listen more closely i mean that kind of chaos that you talked about is like a whirlwind isn't it it's perpetually around us but and if we stop getting caught up in the whirlwind and being swept away and we go in and be still, you know, that's uh, the clarity comes in calmness. Uh, I mean, we've got to kind yeah. of step out of the tornado. Um, but very often people don't realize they're actually in the tornado because it's just been a state of being, you know, a state of living all their lives. And that's where the anxiety and the stress and the even depression comes about because the fatigue of constantly being in that uh, that tornado. Yeah, so you know the, uh, the uh, activity is unfocused at that point, and and what we need to do is uh, tend to it and and focus it. Uh, and so, like I was very anxious when I was very young, 
you know, I had, an, uh, you know, this anxiety disorder, if you will. Um, and and I, I would do anything to avoid it, to get rid of it, right? But as, as I grew up in it, as I practiced these techniques, what I learned is that anxiety could actually be a good friend. Mm -hmm. it, you could actually use it in a positive way. And so it was, it was no longer, I need to get rid of it. It was, how do I utilize this energy that I have? This anxiety is actually an energy and I can, I can direct it in a certain way that's more positive, right? So, so you don't necessarily have to think of these negative, chaotic things as negative things. They're just unfocused creativity. That's yes. the way I see it. <laughs> Make it an ally, not an enemy. Absolutely. Right. Yes. And that yeah. kind of comes yeah. down into slowing down enough to recognize what it is. Right. Again, when we're caught up in the emotion, and you know, we say with emotions, they're there as an indication to how we feel at the moment. So let's observe how we feel at the moment so we can spend the emotion and not become emotional about the emotion. And I think yes. a lot of the time we become emotional about something that we don't even register that we're being emotional. Yes. Yeah, that that is the key. When when you start feeling these emotions and you get caught up in them as you say, you become emotional, you sort of move into that feeling and you become that feeling. I think that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're able to keep a distance, keep a separation between there's the emotion and here I am and maintain that distance, you can treat it differently, yes. you know, and, and in fact, you can let it go much easier that way. But when you become that, that emotion, mm -hmm. it's much more difficult. Yeah. And that's where you're kind of really being the chaos, uh, rather yes. than the chaos serving you. And and then you you, the, yeah. you know as you say, whenever you are completely in that kind of anxiety that allows your whole body just to tense right up, everything crunches. There is no chi, no energy running through you. There's no clarity. You don't find the answers when you're clenched. All right, you have to unwind and breathe in take a breath take a moment take a pause and in that then becomes the clarity of what you need to do but we constantly are trying to find those solutions in the clenched state of being and we can't do that yeah and 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 knowing that ahead of time is a helpful thing that is if you know that you can actually you know unclench yeah right when you're in the midst of something you can tell yourself okay but there's another way that i can be which is yeah. not be it yes but be outside of it that's a wonderful you know initial um tool that you can use yeah all of these things are tools so let's talk about the tools that you yeah. are sharing here with us and you know it, yeah. i always say that the best teachers are those that have gone through it and uh, you know are brought about because of that and so you've got the big idea uh, from the pandemic stresses and aftershocks, the state of the world, many of us can't seem to shut off our brains. We experience a nearly consistent noise of fears and anxieties that can block our awareness of the present and peace of mind. But a highly effective technique can quieten our brains and getting them under control. Okay. All right. Share, share, share. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so this is where the science actually comes into play because these are ideas that have been known for 2,500 years, mm -hmm. you know, uh, mindfulness practitioners and other kinds of meditators have known about the power of meditation, the power of uh, open awareness and things like that. Uh, what I bring to this is, I think, a scientific perspective to say, 
this is why they work. At least we, we're now beginning to understand why is it when you're in a state of open awareness, you are actually benefiting yourself and, and avoiding these traps, the chaos, right? And, uh, and so <clears throat> my solution is, is, is quite simple. I tried to simplify it as much as possible. And that is living in the present moment, like I said before, takes you out of the past conditioning that you've experienced. Because if you have to base it on memory, and that's all you've been able to experience before, that's how you're going to react in the future. So if you can get out of that by being in the present, and we know from the science that being in the present actually bypasses memories. It, 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 it's a different kind of processing, right? We're in a state where we're not accessing the past or the future. And, and, and so that's, the the, the I think, the, <laughs> the gift of the present, right? But what, what science is telling us is that there's more to it because, because it is not only bypassing the past, but it's opening you up to more creative thinking. Right. You know, we know that clarity. when you're in that clarity and openness and things like that, yeah. So, yes, if we, if we have everything piled up on top of us, how do we know which thread is the truth? Because, you know, the chaos of past memory, what if, what if, what if coming up and, mm. and then, you know, where am I now? It's it, I call that the knowingness, knowing what you need to know when you need to know it. And that's when everything is aligned because you are in a state of peace and presence that it can open up to. Let's look at the next one, uh, why it matters. Uh, mind storms keep us observed on the past, snagged uh, on the, trying to protect ourselves from old injustices. Uh, succumbing to the state of mind can derail your work, your lives, your relationships, uh, keeping us from moving forward or finding happiness and peace. But the mind we're born with is anything but hectic. And that's what we need to find again. Much of what you've just, mm -hmm. just covered, but do elaborate. <laughs> um yeah, so if, if you think about when you were an infant, right, uh, the, the same signals that you're getting now as an adult from the world, you were able to see, hear, touch, smell, you know, et cetera. At the same time, you had all these internal signals from your organs telling you how things were working, your heart rate and your glucose level, you know. But as an infant, we didn't have that distortion filter. And so we were able to just simply react to these signals. And within the first two years of life, you're able to learn to walk and talk and create and learn a language and learn about the world. You know, it's an amazing, amazing creative mind that we have, right? And 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 so where does it go? Well, it doesn't go anywhere. It's just like I said, it just gets distorted. And and so we need to understand what the problem is. And and so chaos comes from the distortion that we build up over our developmental time. You know, we, we, we begin to misunderstand the signals, all these signals that are coming from the outside and from the inside, right? Yeah. And so that's Static. the beginning. Is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if the, all of these things, when we're aware of it, we can actually, you know, understand more on what, to, you know, what we can do about it. So you're saying the key messages, neuroscience, um, uh, expert yourself shares four highly effective strategies of shutting down the uncontrollable thoughts and finding a place deep in our creative calm. Ruby is an essay, an easy way to remember how to get powerful techniques that mind back to its original thing. So what does Ruby stand for? 
Yeah, yeah. So this this is what I've tried to simplify things to the basic four steps, I think. And really, a lot of systems include these things. So the first step is to recognize. So it's an acronym for recognize, understand, balance, and implement. And so the first thing to recognize is what is the problem? And, and this is what I was trying to lay out. If you recognize that, in fact, you are born as a creative individual, but but somehow things got distorted. The question is, how did it get distorted? So understanding that, what is it that happened to me that now I react this way? Mm -hmm. So when somebody says something, I get angry. Where does that come from? Yeah. So that second step of understanding is really important. Mm -hmm. And then the balance is once you figured this out, you know what the problem is, where you're at with these issues, to find balance in living in the moment versus living in the past and the future. So the argument is not to get rid of past and future things because we need to be able to uh, live there as well. Yeah. It's finding balance between all these things. And so it's important to know when, when do I need to be present? When do I need to think about my family? When do I need to think about the future, right? Finding that balance is critical. And then the final thing is implement is to find the tool that can help you do all this, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, I tried all sorts of things. People try all sorts of things, yoga and, mm -hmm. you know, meditation and uh, exercise. Uh, there are a variety of things that can help. What I found for myself, the most effective way is just to simply practice this mindful living in the present and that that can take you out of that uncontrolled chaos to a more controlled environment well yeah. i think you know what it does is is um it allows you to extract from past experiences that is relevant in the moment that's going to help your future it it, it there's some of that going on mm -hmm. but I, I in in what i've studied when you are living in the moment mm -hmm. you are not actually accessing the past right. you are simply responding dynamically to the circumstances that you're encountering at that moment mm -hmm. right it, it's like your body knows there's a wisdom in the body that yeah. knows how to respond to these things so it's not that you need to it probably does at some level but it's not like you're you're saying oh how did i do this right you're simply responding spontaneously to to what's coming at you when right. you're in that moment, there's a flow, you know, people talk about flow, mm -hmm. uh, where you're just simply responding to life as it comes to you. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things we don't pay attention to is that when we have been faced with a challenge, and we've gone through it, we just carry on. I think it's a good idea to pause and go like, that was quite challenging. I'm observing how did I get through that? Well, I allowed and with that came the clarity of what I needed to do at that moment and it's like this is a practice that in allowing you know that uh, the wisdom of knowing what to do when you need to know how to do it is always going to be there so it becomes a, a state of mind that your mind wants to go into so your heart soul and spirit can speak to you <laughs> no absolutely and and this is uh, i think another key point you know that there's a certain wisdom that develops that that, that the mind the body has that we need to be able to tap onto or tap into um, 
and and it's not an intellectual exercise yes. it's yeah. it's a more of a, a emotional sort of intuitive, intuitive kind of thing mm -hmm. that you, that you learn and 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 you respond that way but it's a wisdom you know yeah. that that's there yes you know i'm always um, saying that the you know the knowingness is um, is the wisdom that is the compass that reflects with the with the heart and truth and allows the spirit into action for the mind to know what it needs to know when it needs to know it. We have a lot mm. of knowledge in our head, but if we don't know how to access the wisdom on how to use mm. that knowledge, we very often use that knowledge in the wrong way. Yeah, that's, that's wonderfully put. Um, and, and I agree, you know, and, and so knowledge for me as a scientist, it was very important. You know, the knowing the facts about things, and so you know, I had a store of knowledge that I could access. Uh, but but you also have this other part of yourself that 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 uh, is this sort of more intuitive uh, uh, sense of knowingness, as as you put it, that that we need to learn to tap on into and and listen to. Yeah. You know, let's just talk a little bit. You know, obviously about what you do: cognitive science, neuroscience, mm. psychiatry, and all of that, but. Can we explain to people what cognitive science is? Oh, yeah. So cognitive science is really, uh, it's the study of intelligent behavior. I mean, that's the basic definition, right? So if, you, if you're studying intelligent behavior, it, it, it can be in a human being, but it can also be in a, or it can be in a, in a robot, you know, a, a, uh, so whatever shows intelligent behavior, cognitive science is the study of how that comes about, what what are the processes, what do you need to know in order to have that kind of intelligent behavior. So that's that's sort of science. Um, but it, it also brings in, so the, the psychology, the biology, but also the sort of computer science, you know, all mixed in. Okay, so yeah. that so it's an that interesting. Now I have to know what do you feel about AI. <laughs> so, yeah, a I'm actually AI... very intrigued by it. You know, I think it's a yeah. it's a tool for our uh, evolution. You know, that allows yeah. us to expand on ourselves. You know, I think it's kind of almost like a companion in many ways that allows us to grow and understand things that sometimes we let our own either intellect or or fear get in the way. But what do you feel about it? Yeah, yeah you know, you, we can't let fear get in the way. So I actually use AI uh, for writing. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm writing. I'm, I'm writing a play at the moment, and uh, and uh, it's an interesting way you, you can give it a scene, yes. and you can say how would you how would you develop this, and then it gives you all sorts of ideas, and then you can take those ideas and work them up right. on your own, right? But it's an idea generator, mm -hmm. so that's that's the way I've been uh, using it. So I don't fear fear AI. I think it's a, a useful tool. Yes. Now it it can be um, misutilized, or you know, um, people will probably use it for the wrong things and um, misapply human it. Human nature, you know, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. human nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like but, you but know, I think the internet and the deep dark web. Right. It's uh, what we feed is going to grow. And, and, you know, we've got to look at ourselves that when things are misused, it is not the um, the instrument. It's the the person who is wielding that instrument 
that has made Absolutely. it evil. Like money isn't evil, yeah. but in the wrong hands it is. Right. right? So I think it's understanding yeah. it. Um, I used it to edit my book. And very mm -hmm. often I use it when I'm writing something because, you know, I write out how I feel, but I find that, and I simply write in my tone, you know, write in my mm -hmm. voice. And all it mm -hmm. does is expand on that voice. Um, mm -hmm. And, but I also, um, as I say, used it to edit my book because it, it got me and just was <laughs> able to articulate certain areas that may I've got stuck on or didn't have the flow mm -hmm. with or missing that kind of word. And, but I've also known people to use it you know, with depression or anxiety, having AI to talk to, where they don't want to burden their spouse or burden right. other people, but they want something that is kind of rational that can reflect back or speak back to them. And it's a kind of a way of unraveling themselves with something that is kind of almost compassionate and, uh, but at the same time, you know, rational and logical that helps you see things from a different way, because it's not someone's human intellect that's interfering with it. It's you know, it's something else that's just data-based and they've found it's proven to help them quite considerably. Oh, yes, yes. No, I mean, it, uh, the potential for good, I think, is, yes. is amazing, right? But the potential is also there. Uh, and so we we just need to be careful. Yes, uh, but, but mindful. I think... <laughs> <laughs> mindful, yeah. Um, but I had I had colleagues in, in the who are uh, developing robots uh, with AI intelligence who could be what you would think would be em empathic, empathetic yes. behavior. You know, they would see you, they would see you smile and they, and they would understand yeah. that you're smiling and they would respond appropriately. Right? And so if you put that in the context of a medical situation, like you were saying, somebody yeah. who's lonely, who has this ability to interact with a robot that can be empathetic and, and compassionate. That's a wonderful tool. Yes, yeah. I, I have on this week a, a doctor who's talking about, you know, how we need to change the medical system because right now mm -hmm. it's supporting the insurance companies and uh, drug companies and accountants. And it's not looking <clears throat> at a human being as a whole, but rather like a mm -hmm. conveyor belt on a car manufacturing plant, right? And, and that how we need <laughs> to change that and how AI can take the burden off a great deal with either diagnosis or with database with uh, you know with a lot of stuff and you know integrating it in there because I think it's definitely here to stay but I also think it's actually a kind of a great argument to ask the AI questions and see what comes back as your own cognitive thinking and kind of a reflection of and so uh, I think this is one of the you're things you're breaking that... up for me uh, um uh, I, I didn't quite hear your, oh, your, your last no, but, but, you know, it, sometimes in asking it a question is a kind of a, a feedback on your own reflection of how you feel mm. that maybe we can't mm -hmm. see it for ourselves when it becomes part of that. But, you know, as human nature is, we create a great deal of the chaos around us. A lot of that comes into because we've bought into what society dictates makes us important. Um, as to understanding the importance of self and the the reason why we're here. Um, we're in a hell of a lot of turmoil in the world at the present moment. Karma yeah. heads are not prevailing. Nobody's going into that space time mm. to think and feel. Uh, and that ripple effect of anxiety, you know, we've come out of COVID, we've got all these wars going on, we've got hate crimes going on, we've got politicians <laughs> just throwing mud at each other all the time. You know, how do we 
uh, bring ourselves down into that center amongst that exterior chaos. Because sometimes it can be very hard when it's like a pulsation around you. Yeah, no, this is, uh, again, a, a wonderful question. Um, and I've, I've thought about that a lot because, you know, it, the conclusion is that I can only really be responsible for my own behavior. Yeah. Um, as much as I want to be helpful to the world, I try to do as much as I can, but I am not responsible. Uh, and, and therefore, I try to just try to calm myself and hopefully that then gets reflected in the people around me. And then, you know, that can ripple across yeah. other, other people and so on. I think that that's probably the, the best thing that we can do, you know, take care of ourselves and then let that ripple through as much as possible. Because if you start thinking, you know, about the world, it, it'll overwhelm you, all yes. these things that are going on because you're helpless. You know, there's not very much that you can do about a war in Ukraine or a war in Israel um except hold the people in in your heart to yeah. with compassion you know i'm always yeah. white lighting <laughs> you're sending that loving white light out there and i 100 yes, agree right. with you is that you know while we're looking and also pointing fingers it's the politicians it's the this ones it's the that one the three thinkers pointing at us saying you know where's our accountability responsibility what are we going to do about it and i say if we want love we have to be the love if we want peace we've got to be the peace and that collectively Absolutely. then brings about peace. But, you know, we're constantly looking on the outside for solutions and not on the inside. You know, what's your suggestion to people to turn their eyes in and that without guilt and without blame or shame, which very often comes with spending energy and time on yourself, you know, it's how important it is for us to go in and let go of everything because that's kind of where we need to nurture our ego a bit, where we need to spend loving care on ourselves you know be, even be a little narcissistic as children can be because <laughs> if we don't we if we don't fortify ourselves how can our cup run up over so what would be yeah. your suggestions other than you yeah. know stillness etc but challenging those outside elements to bring about our inside yeah no i I'm, i mean like i said i think i think you you should try to do as much as you can you know and i i try to to help others as much as i can um but the one thing that, uh, that we should remember is that we're not totally individualized beings, that there's actually a connection between us and, and others and between us and, you know, the world, the nature, it's like that. And uh, to me, that's the greatest illusion is we're separate beings from from the from the planet and from others when in fact we're not and so when when we work on ourselves i actually think that it does ripple to the way others then behave because we are interconnected we just don't know that yes we don't realize how how much that is uh, going on right, right. Well, you know, uh, if, so if... so my mm -hmm. no go ahead no no it's just like if we're a choir every one of our voices is important in that choir we've got to harmonize but we first got to fine-tune our own voice don't we so please continue absolutely yeah no i i i just think that uh it um uh, now i lost track of what, oh, what i was gonna sorry. say but yeah, um, it is a challenge. I know it's a challenge. I know it's a challenge to switch off all the chatter, uh, the expectation from other people, 
the dictation from society. You know, what will people think? You know, will people think I'm selfish? You know, um, should I be so self-centered? Uh, all of these things in, in your, what I call in your self-discovery and recovery of finding yourself that space where you feel safe and creative and at peace. It is a journey to do that. And sometimes you do have to close doors on things, on careers, on people, etc., And that can be hard for people. But in a sense, in the long term, it's essential, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Care of yourself above all. You know, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, one thing from science that really helped me understand all this is that there, there's a, uh, a function in the brain that we call the interpreter um, which was an idea that was conceived in the 1970s to explain why is it that that people lie so much, mm. make make up stories so easily about themselves, about others, and so on. And it turns out that in fact, what we have is is a, a way to try to maintain order in our world by making up stories that make things coherent and harmonious, right? right. And and sometimes it we need to lie to ourselves in order to feel that there's harmony in the world. Uh, and, and that to me is, is interesting because if we do have that function, then part of it is becoming aware of it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Back to understanding yeah. and awareness, right? When you, when you open up to those channels and try to understand and, you know, the other thing is, you know, compassion and empathy, you know, when you have that for yourself and have it for others, you want to understand more. Right. Yes. You you want to be yeah. aware more because that awareness brings about comprehension of, of understanding and, you know, compassion for other people and what they're going through instead of judgment. Yeah. So when I was going through my anxiety problems, uh, I was totally focused on myself. You know, it was like my perspective was me. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and how I was feeling and and when I learned to calm that down, it was really fascinating that I began to then see others. Mm -hmm. You know, I began to see that, in fact, there were other people around me, that they were also reacting in a certain way to the way I was reacting, you know, and I became yes. more sensitive to that. Yes. Uh, and so when you start finding that opening, you realize that there's this other connection going on with other individuals, and you have to be sensitive to that as well. Right. We're all looking for those good, good, good vibrations, right? You know, to ride that wave. And and again, it's that um, we look for outside people to kind of lead the way for us. But I believe that inspiration begets invitation. And that, you know, when you're inspired by somebody, you know, where, where you can feel the different, they may look different. I know there's something different about you. You look different. And really what it is, is they feel different. You know, the aura, the vibration has changed. The more at peace with self. It really then kind of triggers an invitation, even if it's not obvious mm -hmm. in ourselves. I want to feel like that. Mm -hmm. right? So being yes. around people like that is really important uh, because it, it is yes. that invitation yeah. to like, if he feels so good, why, you know, what am I, what, what can I do to get there? Yeah, I remember that feeling when I was, uh, I, I went through four years of uh, meditation training with a teacher. And, uh, and uh, during that, that period of anxiety that I was uh, experiencing, and every time I, I talked to her, went into the room to talk to her, I felt that calmness in uh -huh. her, that I thought, I want that, yes. you know, yes. uh, you know, you feel it when, when there's somebody like that. 
and you, and you realize that's a human being. They've been able to do it. I can do it as well. You know, and that was very helpful therapeutically for me just to see somebody like that. Yes. So and then, you, you know, become in tune. Yeah. But, but as you become that calmness, then you're that beacon of light for other people. And that's, you know, that yeah. beautiful ripple effect, isn't it? Is that, you know, yeah. um, love begets love, peace begets peace, uh, calmness begets calmness. And is that, you know, we say, oh, I'm only one person. I can't make a difference. Well, you can make a difference in your life and then in, mm-hmm. the, in the lives around you. And then mm-hmm. the more they step into themselves, they become that light for someone else and so yeah. on and so on. And so it's never sell yourself short. You are important and we need you. <laughs> we're all important, I think. Exactly. And, and we're, Yes, no, absolutely. And um, yeah, it, it's unfortunate that, that some people don't realize that until it's, it's too late, you know. Uh, and, and this is part of what my motivation for writing this kind of book was because I felt like I've learned all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to share it yeah. with others so that they can see that, in fact, they can do it. Right. right. And so this is what my way of, of, of trying to do that. And I know I, you, you know, the way you do your podcast is, mm-hmm. is kind of similar. And all we can do is, is put out the information, how people take it is up to them. And then, you know, maybe, you know, I'm, I've got some self-help books, whereas what do I need to know today? And I can just open up and there is that chapter. And that is what I'm needing mm-hmm. to know today. It's very apropos. So some people can read the book from beginning to end and get it and go linearly. And other people, it is like, oh, I've opened the book on this right now. This is clearly something I need to address. So there's no really wrong way, is there? It's That's just right. like your, your inner soul will tell you what it is you need to know. And the book is just one of those tools that in your time of need will show you what you need to do. Absolutely. You know, I, I am a strong believer in that, that needed, it, it'll show up. Yes. <laughs> you know, because it, yes. uh, <laughs> it, it's it, happened. Yeah, it's happened. Yeah, no, it's happened to me several times. Yeah. Right. You know, when, when I'm at a point in my life, crossroad, something yep. shows up that tells me. Yes. Yeah. Go left, go right, go straight. Yes. Right. But, you know, there is like a very great point there is that you have to allow you have to allow that something to come to give it the space to show up to tell you yes. which direction to go in. And that, you know, if you've got people honking behind you, kind of just move over and wait until you know your direction, right? Because, you know, we're so busy, but where do I need to go? Where do I need to go? Well, you're not going to know in that state of being. So, you know, just calm down and be present and, ah, okay, that's where I need to go. And that's something we don't always allow ourselves to do, right? We don't allow ourselves the space to listen to the answer. Yes, yes, absolutely. It, it's a frenetic world. Sometimes, you know, we're we're bombarded by so many things, and uh, we need to be able to filter things out and and take, you know, take responsibility to find a space to sit and be quiet. Sometimes, you know, it, it's an important practice to do that. Absolutely, very important practice, folks. Um, and it's okay for you to turn around to other people and say, "Sorry, this is my time." This is my space. Or, you know, sorry, folks, I, I have to go out for a walk at the present moment. Or I need to go and get a breath of fresh air. If this is what you need in that moment to decompress, to center yourself before you come back to that meeting, come back to the screaming kids, come back to angry husband or whatever the case is, <laughs> is take that time out. Because why, why do we see volatility? Is that somebody is all angry or upset and then you're rising 
to be above them and it's one up, one up, one up, and now you've got a volcanic eruption. So somebody has to calm down and bring everything down. And sometimes if it means time out, sorry, this meeting is time out, 10 minute break, everybody. I don't want you talking to each other. I want you to go and take some time for yourself for the moment and come back yeah. with calmness. No, and uh, discipline is important in, in doing that, right? And 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 that's something I learned very early on that you know you need to discipline yourself to say I'm going to spend five minutes every day just just calm calming myself before I go off to do anything. And and what's interesting is that you do this over and over. Eventually, it becomes just part of your life. <laughs> you know, you don't think it, you feel it, you, you know it. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah. yeah yeah but that's that's what we want to get to and you know practice makes perfect and it, basically what we're doing by being cognitive of those practices we're reprogramming the mind yes. into that this serves me and the body better but we've got to do it over and over again consciously before it becomes just a part of our new patterning yes and it's like any skill that you learn you know if you learning to play the piano you know you, you put a lot of effort initially into doing it and then little by little it becomes automatic and it becomes joyful it becomes you know something you want to do you know etc the same thing with these kinds of practices yeah they can yeah. actually become very joyful <laughs> I mean, we, we literally just did a, a show on what joy is and joy is that inner abundance of wanting to share wanting to care mm. wanting to illuminate mm. someone else and then that joy of seeing somebody else light up you know mm. becomes a joy back to us and it's like people are chasing joy in all the wrong places and instead of understanding mm. it's it's in our participation it's in our giving yes yes absolutely that's, that's wonderful yeah yeah and we certainly need a little joy in our lives at the present moment so perhaps we should be a little more giving now, we see the word neuroscience being thrown around a great deal, and a lot of people talk about it, but mm. I'm, it's never completely explained. I know for a lot of people, it's like, well, what's this neuroscience? You know, um, what is it? <laughs> it, it, it's, it? It's really is the study of the brain, mm -hmm. primarily study of the brain from a biological perspective. So you're trying to understand, you know, this thing that we had, this three pound uh, instrument that we have that does all these things, you know, gives us joy, gives us pleasure, gives us sadness and fear and all that. Uh, trying to understand biologically how that happens, you know, what is the machine that, that's doing all this stuff? And then how does it connect to the psychology, you know? Yeah, the mind. Yeah, so, so mm -hmm. yeah, brain-mind sort of relationship. And then and then how does it connect to your body, yes. right? So so neuroscience is, is all of that. It's trying to understand behavior from, from all those perspectives. Which do you feel governs more? The programming of hmm. the mind or, or, the, or the brain, you know? Because sometimes I'm not sure they're in sync with each other or they're in conflict with each other. You know, can the mind be more powerful than the brain or can the brain overpower the mind? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. On so in, ways. It, it actually isn't. Uh, it goes both ways. Whoops. <laughs> Um, sorry, let me put this back on. <laughs> I got emphatic there. <laughs> it's um, it's it's an interactive process. So so what, the way we think of it as a neuroscientist, you think of uh, the hardware, mm -hmm. which is creating the mind. Mm -hmm. So when the hardware changes, it changes the mind. But when the mind changes, it also changes the hardware. Mm -hmm. 
And this is something that's unique in, in, in human beings that, that how we think literally rewires the brain. Ah. You know, the, the brain is plastic. It, mm. it, it actually learns. And learning is this rewiring of the hardware so that we're different after we learn something, right? Um, and so how that interactivity works is, is part of what I studied, what I was interested in. That, that connection. No, that's fascinating because quite honestly, if the patterning is a doctrine of being brought up of, of hate or, or, you know, differences or, you know, the, the judgment, that's going to change the way the brain works. But if yes. the brain is, uh, if, the, if the hardware, I mean, if the software, the mind is brought up with caringness, kindness and consideration, but that also, I feel brain and mind, yes, the mechanics of it all, but I feel that unless the heart, soul and spirit, the intellect is not listened to, both of these things are going to be confused. Because I yes. think you have to feel your knowledge, you have to feel your programming and your brain, because then that sets it up with more compassion and empathy and what the thought should be. What do you think of that? Yeah, so I think there are aspects of the brain mind that uh, we think of as emotion. You know, there, there are systems there that give us those feelings of, uh, of emotion. And, and I see it as simply another signal that gets you know, uh, integrated with, with our intellect and with, you know, the physical body signals and all that. <clears throat> so we need to listen to all of them. Yes. We need to listen to the emotion, the intuition, the physical body, the intellect. When it works perfectly, it's all in sync. It's yes. all working wonderfully. But then when it gets it out of together. sync. When yeah. it works together, <laughs> yeah. right? And sometimes it doesn't. And so we listen more to one than the other, and then we get into problems. I mean, we talked about, you talked about it earlier, about being in flow, right? Mm -hmm. When we when we look at the body, the oxygen and the blood, you know, and the energy, chi has to be in flow constantly through our body. Where it stops, it creates problems. So, you know, um, our mind, uh, if we don't use it, we lose it. You know, the brain mm -hmm. can also kind of come to it because it needs to learn all the time. It needs to constantly evolve. It can become stagnant. So we need to really find our rhythm in life. What is our flow in life? Because then we're really incorporating the whole of us, aren't we? Yes, yes, that's absolutely true. And uh, going back a little bit uh, to the idea that the brain mind changes, the hardware software change uh, gives us hope, in fact, so that you know people shouldn't think just because I'm 70 years old or 60 years old or 50 years old, I can't change the way I am. Mm -hmm. No, your brain is constantly changing. That rewiring is always going on until you die. Right. And so it's possible to undo and unlearn a lot of the conditioning, a lot of the bad habits that you develop. Mm -hmm. they, they actually can be undone with some right. effort. Um, choice and effort. Absolutely. You know, now we've got certain people that, you know, kind of born with certain gifts, artists, musicians, mm -hmm. writers, uh, speakers, whatever the gift is that they've been given. It is like, no matter what, that is their strength, that is their forte, that's their meaningful purpose, their gift in life. Can um, Even if it's been suppressed for a period of time, begs to come back out again. So is mm. that part of something in the brain that is so dominant that it will always raise its head to be heard? Hmm. Or is that a heart soul thing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I, uh, from, from a science perspective, it's hard to know because uh, we are born genetically with certain uh, 
predispositions with certain uh, abilities, right? Attributes, They're just yeah. given. Yeah. Uh, and and then we we take those and, and we grow, develop them and, and, and so on. Or we ignore them, right? Right. Uh, but but so part of it is our genetics. Mm-hmm. Part of it, however, genetics is not destiny, and so part of it is the interaction of our genetics with our environment. So if you have the predisposition for music, and you're in an environment where music is played, your parents expose you to all sorts of music, then it'll it'll grow. You know, it'll feed that that energy. Uh, if you're in an environment where there is no music and nobody plays any kind of instrument, then it'll inhibit it. It'll suppress it, right? That initial impulse. Um, so the brain-mind responds to your environment. Mm. And and so if you put it in an enriched environment, it will be an enriched mind. If you put it in a deprived environment, it'll be a deprived mind. So we adapt to the environment that we live in, you know. And that's why we really need to look at the environment that that we place ourselves in. And, you know, uh, you know, we were were talking about, you know, social media and the algorithm of it. And Mm. I'm saying what what we gain going back to like with the AI, if you're going to feed all that hate rhetoric out there or the sensationalism, then that's what the algorithm is going to keep giving you. But if you choose to be supportive and interactive and you choose to put out content that is inspirational or uplifting then the algorithm will give you that well we're the same type of algorithm what we put out is what's going to be matched so we've got to be very conscious of who we are and what we're putting out uh, because that's what we're going to meet there so hate will beget hate but love can beget love and that's uh, up to us right yes absolutely you know um so not only do we mirror our environment, but our environment mirrors us. You know? Yes, <laughs> and uh, and and so yeah, you know, we need to be careful about what we choose to let in, and and so on. Yes, it's 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 good to be discerning, right? It's yeah. uh, you know, it's not walls, it's boundaries, and yes. those boundaries are energetic boundaries where you know you want people in in the same frequency, in the same vibe tone, because then you know that, that not only are you going to get each other, you're going to listen and support and care for each other. If you've yes. got people on that lower vibration, um, you could be that inspiration that may help them rise, but their journey is their journey. How they get out of where they are and rise up is part of the, the whole soul journey of being here. Are yeah. they going to use it as an excuse to stay in the hate rhetoric because it's easy and I can blame everyone else? Or am I going to do the work to leave that behind and rewire the brain into more loving compassion and caring where I become more of service to myself yes. and to humanity? But I yeah. think being aware where you're at, well, I'm angry all the time. Well, what's making you angry? Yes. Why aren't yeah. you dealing with the root cause of it? The anger is just the emotion of it. What's the root cause of the anger? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and sometimes it can be environmental. Yeah. That is, you know, the people around you. And, yeah. and the best way is to take yourself out of that environment and put yourself in a in a new environment where you don't have all the cues that trigger yes. things, right? And then you learn to respond a different way. Um, it's almost like addiction. And I know you, you're, you know, uh, very familiar with addiction. But addiction is is just that you learn to yes. do all these cues in a certain yes. environment, and the cues trigger this this response of wanting, you know, the yep. the drug. But, yep. So taking yourself out of that environment can yep. help you. you Escapism, 
right? Yeah. You know, addiction, I can't deal with it. I can't deal with it. Let me just numb myself with either alcohol, drugs, or, you know, other forms of, of self-abuse. Sometimes it's self-punishment, right? And it's like, well, why? I had someone on last week about unalcoholing her life and not really realizing she was an alcoholic. You know, husband drank, she drank, and then didn't realize how much that she needed to drink to suppress an abuse that had happened to her as a child. Mm-hmm. And it's only mm-hmm. when finally she got herself in an environment, actually, which the church environment, not so much religion, but the church mm-hmm. community, and started working with the homeless, mm-hmm. that it took her out of the environment that she was in and put her in another environment for her to address her alcoholism, right? To be aware yeah. that she actually was that. So, yes, I think it's, you know, I will say to people when you're on your self-discovery, it's okay to say to people, I'm going to be absent for a while. I'm on a journey. Don't take it personally. I'll get yeah. back to you. And if you don't get back to them, it means that you're meant to leave them behind. And if you do, and they recognize who you are today, that's wonderful. And if they don't, then you, you know it's time to move on. But we've got to give ourselves those boundaries of, I need this time to hear in, to know what I need out. Absolutely. And you know, the other thing that's really insidious about um, addiction is that um, we know that uh, the reward system of our brain, right, the dopamine gets yes. triggered by by drugs. But what's interesting is that that system actually begins to anticipate things, begins to predict things. And it's the now it's the anticipation that actually triggers the dopamine, right? Mm-hmm. So if you, if you think, you know, you, you've uh, done drugs with a certain friend all the time, the anticipation of seeing that friend mm. will trigger that that emotional wanting of the drug, right? And, and so you have to also deal with that kind of mindset, the expectations and, the, and those kinds of feelings as well. And it really does require you to take the journey and do the work. Yes. Right. And, uh, you yeah. know, it, we've, we've got to actually understand why is this repetitive? Why is this? Why do I keep repeating the same thing? And mm-hmm. it's like, you've got to get down to the root cause of it. And, you know, what's the payoff? What's what's mm-hmm. the payoff of keep doing it? And mm-hmm. is it really serving you? And if we're not willing to invest in ourselves and and really participate in our own journey, then we're just making excuses. It's, uh, and those excuses can only last so long you know, before the price has to be paid one way or the other. Yes, that's, that's, that's true. That's so true. Yeah. So this mind or this book rather is, is addressing that chaotic mind and how to address our anxiety. And I think actually, when you think about it, anxiety is that first trigger, that first thing you get anxious about certain people Mm -hmm. around you, anxious at school, you know, can I get my A, anxious at can I please my parents? Anxious, do friends love me? You know, all of this anxiety, I think something is like there without us even realizing all through our life. So would you say that's the first step that we need to look at is where is our anxiety coming from? I think that's important. Uh, that That's helpful. Um, and then the, the next thing is to actually, uh, what I realize is that my anxiety had an underlying fear to it, mm. you know, and so getting to what is the fear underneath the anxiety was important for me. And and so I, I you know, I finally realized that my fear was of being judged by people mm. and being seen as less than what I thought I was, right? Yes. That was the big fear. And so once I, I got that, <laughs> yeah, once I got that, though, you know, the anxiety sort of diminished. So, so yeah, fear and anxiety work hand in hand. And, yeah. You know. yeah. 
you know, if, if the anxiety is, is the voice of fear. And it's, it's, and it's unreasonable because sometimes you just, you know, I, I remember past clients I've had, and it's like, what are you afraid of? I don't know, just fear. I'm just, just fear. I'm afraid of fear. And they're afraid of being fearful. So, and they're being fearful <laughs> about being afraid of being fearful. And so it was a, you know, it's trying to break the loop yeah. to a point where uh, let's identify the real, where the fear really is coming from, because yeah. then we can break the cycle. But you know, some for some people, it's just such a perpetual loop that they don't know where the beginning or the end is. Yeah, and and you know, for a lot of people, maybe uh, they need they they would need help to to yeah. find that you know, and so going to a psychotherapist, a psychologist, or some you know a counselor uh, can be a very useful thing to help identify because sometimes there are deeply rooted things that yeah. we don't really can get at. Um, so take an opportunity to find somebody that can help you. Um, it's important. You hear all the time somebody, you know, having their life and everything else, and then around 40 or 50, something happening that brings back an old memory that had been suppressed, mm -hmm. that now completely takes control, you know, control over their life. And it's that we can only suppress things for so long, subliminally or consciously, whatever, <laughs> it, it, yeah. before it, it will find its way back out and we are going to have to deal with it because otherwise it's um, it's a part of that brain, right? That's always dictating. So, you know, resistance yeah. is futile and you you, <laughs> you can run as fast as you like, but you can't, you'll always catch up with yourself. Well, my, I always say that uh, our brain tends towards health. Mm. And, uh, and and what what it needs sometimes is just a little push in that direction, right? So instead of resisting it or yeah. fighting it, try to you know give it a little push towards health, and it'll it'll find its way there, uh, because I think, like I said, the, the basic core nature is one of you know um, health and well being. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I've got a niece that's had a brain injury, fell down flight of concrete stairs literally cracked her head open and she's oh, no. it's still mm. a year later and she's trying to run a business but it's mm. much harder for her now you know mm. things are slower some some things are overwhelmed but she's working through it and my daughter works with people with brain injuries and mm. but what she does is certain events you know uh, painting bowling this that etc that can help you be engaged in mm. something joyful and she looks at that as kind of being able to reignite the brain. For some people, they'll never get it all the way back. The damage yeah. is physically done. But for yeah. other people, it's like if you can attach to something that's stimulating and joyful, it helps ignite the brain to want more of that type of productive joy. So, you know, it is this. It's never completely give up, right? Even if you maybe not optimized that you're hundred percent as you were before, there's you know we can always function at a certain level. Um, and don't give up on yourself or on anybody else that you may know going through it. Oh yeah, I think that's the the worst thing that you can do is give up on yourself. I think yeah. as as long as there's life, I think you should you should fight. You know, and no um, matter the age, as you pointed out, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how old you no. are. Yeah, there's if you're still, still breathing. <laughs> <laughs> there's still that's hope. Right. <laughs> Definitely. That's right. yeah. So I mean. Was it through your anxiety, through your studies that, uh, you know, kind of said, okay, it's time to write a book on it? Right. Uh, so the fact that I was able to get out of what I thought was a very deep sort of anxiety uh, syndrome and, uh, and, and be able to see it in perspective and realize that, in fact, 
um, there was an easy solution to it. Not not an easy, but but there was a solution to it. Um, so you know, it got me thinking about all sorts of other things and and how to address you know all these other problems that we face the the obsessiveness or the uh, you know the heartbreaks and you know and all that kind of stuff and and what i came down to is the idea that trying to simplify all that i came down to two basic things that i think people need to do to move from what is a chaotic mind to a um, less chaotic mind one is i think to learn to love yourself you need to accept yourself for who you are you know i call it self parenting in the book you need to do a lot of uh, kind yeah. of self parenting and that gets you to a stable level of of being and then the next thing is to learn to live more in the present um to to try to avoid so much of the past living in the past or living in the future live in the moment and that clarifies all sorts of things for me it it just opened up a whole sort of world for me and i realized oh my gosh you know and 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 but you have to you know keep at it and um and practice and then yes. the last thing i the last thing i i say is trust the process mm-hmm. <laughs> no. yes. oh. don't give up don't give in persist yeah right? you know for some people that may be certain parts of it that that's easy quick to get through you've got it for some people it may be that that's a difficult part for me i'm just having a hard time grasping mm-hmm. at it don't yeah. compare with others right oh, don't yeah. even compare with with yourself it's it's like just pay attention um maybe sometimes put something down take a breath go for a walk come back pick it up and see it from a different point of view right yeah. and it's uh, a yeah. be persistent be patient and, and be loving towards yourself you know and there are times when you think nothing is happening you've been doing this and trying this and th- and the other and nothing is happening but you keep at it at some point there's an opening and you realize oh you know i'm not as reactive as right. i was before right and, yes. and and that then motivates you to keep at it so those little victories i think are important yeah i think very much pay attention to those little victories observe yeah uh, this does work so you yes. rather like that algorithm i'm going to put more energy into that you know because yeah. it's clearly working and you know it's um you're giving a, a great baseline for people to apply but how they apply it and how they use it in their life of course is up to them and, uh, you know, again, I don't believe in one size fits all, but there is always a common denominator that anybody can take and it will manifest in the way that it's meant to for the way they use it. So it's but if we're not willing to try, yeah. then we're not willing to grow. And if you're not happy where you're at, it's up to you to find your happiness, not anyone else to make you happy. Right. Nobody else to complete you or <laughs> define you. Mm-hmm. You know, we want people to compliment you in the the energy that they're in um but the redefinition of you is up to you and the journey that you take and you know your book is about you know making sure that the brain and the mind is cohesive with each other supporting each other allowing each other to grow but looking at chaos and anxiety and the fear of where it comes from addressing it don't be so fearful to address it you're not reliving it right you're just like a hypnotized, a hypnotized person, hypnosis, they'll put you through, you're not there, you're just spectating, yeah. right? And yeah. sometimes we need to spectate the things that hurt us yeah. uh, and to go, but you know, I'm not that person anymore. Look where I am now and look where <laughs> I potentially could be instead of focusing on the pain of the past. 
Yeah, no, and I think it's important to reiterate what you said about uh, there are many solutions and you need to find what works for you. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, so I, I think that that's the important thing. Just keep trying, keep looking at how it works for you, whether it makes any sense for you, whether it's working for you. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a great advocate for books being bought because I think it's a gift that keeps on giving. Uh, you could read a book once and then you can go back and read it again and it's a totally <laughs> different story. Yes. Uh, or I, and again, as I said with your book, they could read it from beginning to end or they could read certain parts of it and go, okay, what do I need to know today? And it may be this, not that, right? Be open mm. to receive and sync with the book. But, you know, we're in the festive season at the time of giving where we all give gifts to one another. So if you know somebody going through anxiety, somebody's life is chaotic right now for a change they're going through, a change that they're wanting to go through, you know, this is a great gift of just some skills and tools that they can apply to their life that can help them navigate to that next stage um, or get out of a situation that they're in. So look at it as a great gift to give someone that you know really needs it. And maybe even a book that you need in your own household because you didn't know it was so chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> right. So how do people get hold of the book and how do they find you? Sure. So the book is being sold on uh, Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble and a variety of bookstores. I have a website. It's called The Unencumbered Mind dot com that uh, people can go and check out uh, some of my other writings um so yeah that's and just for the people listening uh if the encumbered mind you know some people sometimes for language is the second so the dash uh u-n-e-n-c-u-m-b-e-r-e-d slash mind.com so yeah. you know the encumbered mind it's uh we that's what we want to do we want the mind <laughs> to be able to breathe you know we want it to to step into that creativity we want it to feel like it's um it's empowered to take the next step that you know when an opportunity knocks at the door we can actually see it and believe that it is there for us because we haven't got in our own way. We haven't brought the anxiety or the fear or I'm not enough or I couldn't do it. Who do I think I am? All of that dialogue has been put into one great big package and sent to Mars. It's not with you anymore. <laughs> or that if it comes up, you know exactly how to deal with it. Right. You know, it's like I see you. I care for you. I know that that's, you know, there. But it's all right. We've got this. Let's do it together. So th there are ways of doing things. So this book is a great gift idea for the season, folks. And, uh, you know, it's one good one to have in the household where everybody can pick it up or maybe everybody can do a chapter or, or a page and go what we need to address right now and have it be a catalyst to an open dialogue with one another. Gee, what a concept talking to one another right so so the book is there for that reason so a thank you for writing it and uh, you know and sharing it with us here today it's as i said the best teachers are those that have gone through it uh, because the the tools and the skills that you've learned you're now sharing with other people for them to apply to their life and they're not just theorized you know the things that you've practiced so therefore you've mixed the theory and the practice together into something that can really work so it's up to us folks, you know, on um, on what are we going to feed and what are we going to do? And uh, it's there for you. It's there for you when you're ready. So don't forget to, to reach out to him, theuncumberedmind.com. This is also on Facebook, um, on LinkedIn, and you can uh, also theresearch.com, um, you, mm -hmm. Jamie at Pinada, 
they can look at the research there as well and uh, and reach you for your email uh, jpineda at ucsd.edu and if you've got any questions for him so this is what it's about helping one another with the wisdom that we've gathered along the way so thank you so much jamie for sharing today well thank you for the opportunity to talk to you and to your listeners i enjoyed it thank you us too so until next time <laughs> folks uh, don't forget to pause take a breath and look at why you're feeling so chaotic why you're feeling so anxious what is the stem of it don't be afraid to take the time to investigate and take the time for yourself until next time bye for now we hope that you enjoyed the show there are so many more for you here on selfdiscoverywisdom.com just go to the podcast tag at the top there and you will see all the many genres and all 3,000 shows ready for your listening. We are here to serve you, to help you on your journey of life. And we know that through inspiration, it begets invitation. We are supported by you, the listeners, and those that we interview. Anything that you can spare us in donation would be greatly accepted. And we do hope that you enjoy the next show.